Media. As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Obscurity Now, the show that takes a look at nearly forgotten um, media and tries to decide if it should be continued to be remembered or tossed into the black hole of obscurity. My name is Steve, and uh, with me is the effervescent co-host. My name is Yehel. How's it going, Steve? I'm doing great, man. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, Are you uh, Uh, much much better? better. Yeah, good, Mm -hmm. good. Uh, Why why were you absent from uh, what was supposed to be last week's uh, Sequest episode? The UEO (laughs) wants to know. Yes, yes. I know Roy Scheider has been (laughs) tweeting from the grave uh, demanding to know. Uh, no, I, I caught COVID. I had a, I am vaccinated. I had a breakthrough, one of the breakthrough cases. Mm. Mm. Uh, Lainey got it as well. And uh, yeah, I found I just had like a tickle in my throat for a few days. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I felt fine. Like I had still been running. In fact, the day I tested positive, I ran two miles. Um, wow. So but I but it just like wasn't going away. So I got tested and sure enough, I was positive and overall pretty mild symptoms i would say um the worst of it was maybe just kind of feeling tired mm-hmm. um and that was like very up and down would, you say, predict my- would you say you felt a little seasick <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 they they told me you might experience some seasickness dsv and i was like what <laughs> And then later it was upgraded to Sequest or Seasickness 2032. Seasickness 2032. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's towards the end of it that uh, that it changes names. Right. And then uh, and then after the third time you just die. But luckily it never yeah. got there. But uh but you'd say people should still get vaxxed, right? And to stay away from oh my Florida. God. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, on both accounts. Uh so I I got like the Regeneron tree. When I said the symptoms were mild, I mean, when people tell you like they have mild COVID symptoms, they're not like mild symptoms. They're mild for COVID. Mm-hmm. So which is a very distinct uh, difference. And uh, yeah, I mean, I will say like, even though, uh, you know, I never had my oxygen drop or got a fever or any of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did have like a fever for like an hour at one point, mm-hmm. but it was mild, like 100 degrees. But um, you can definitely feel how powerful COVID is. It's weird. It's like you can tell there's something in your chest trying to burst out like aliens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but but in all honesty, I mean, you can, it, it's scary how uh, you can really tell how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I lost my sense of taste, literally started eating lunch like normal this said Saturday after the result or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a few bites in, oh, I think I'm tasting this a little less. Anyways. By the 10 minutes later, my sense of taste was gone. I couldn't smell anything. Wow. And uh, I mean, in here, I'm sorry. And here I was just afraid you were going to lose your sense of taste for the obscure. And then I'd have to find someone else like or (laughs) (laughs) my sense of taste and smell is uh, like 75, 80 percent back already, though. That's good, uh, which is pretty good. But uh, the one thing I will say is like you definitely want to get vaxxed. I I went 
Saturday after to the and got the Regeneron antibody uh, monoclonal. That sounds so cool, Regeneron. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right <laughs> i went in there all right make me a badass yeah. i uh, want to be optimus prime damn it <laughs> and they're like sir shut the fuck up and yeah. sit down <laughs> i wonder i wonder how many like fanboys just go in there and i don't know like make a bunch yeah, of transformer but, uh, references <laughs> you know, the, the last thing i'll say about it is like this was the treatment that trump got and it's free here in florida mm-hmm. so i was like you know what why take any chances let me go ahead and get it and um Anyways, people can like look up and see what it does, but it's very helpful. But uh, there, there were people who were unvaccinated. A, a lot of, most of them were people mm-hmm. that were unvaccinated, and they sounded like they were on death's door. There was one dude that came in, uh, literally at about the same time I did, and he said that uh, he told me that he had just uh, all he had was a little scratch in his throat and a, and a very slight cough, uh, and he had also basically just like me. Uh, found out he had it the day before and today was the first day of him having any symptoms that was the day so really he's like on his day one basically and by the time he like unvaccinated Mm -hmm. uh his his wife or somebody was making him go get this treatment he did i don't think i need this (laughs) anyways uh after you get the treatment which by the way four shots two in the back of your arms two in the stomach Mm -hmm. good times uh you have to wait go to this waiting area for 60 minutes just to make sure you don't have like an allergic reaction or something anyways this guy was getting worse like by the minute Whew. like even just waiting to get the treatment by the time uh he got his treatment maybe like a few minutes into it he was so bad at that point he was gasping for air Ooh. and he had to get taken out in an ambulance i mean oh, just no. like that wow and dude like i heard i overheard people like talking about how they couldn't believe the ivermectin didn't work uh which that horse do over anyways and i you know i talked to the nurse and they said basically everybody there that's in really rough shape uh was unvaccinated so yeah i'm very glad i got i was vaccinated i mean pretty mild by uh friday i was already negative Mm -hmm. uh so you know lasted about a week and the last couple days i mean i was feeling uh pretty good good man get vaccinated you won't die yeah (laughs) Oh, that's uh, that's a very positive review about vaccines. Uh, but uh, speaking of uh, staying out of Florida, I'm going to be ignoring uh, that advice. Um, <laughs> I just thought we'd announce this at the top of the show so we don't forget. Um, it's either going to be Sunday or Monday. I haven't exactly figured out yet. Probably yeah. Monday. We're having a very special in real life episode of Obscurity yeah. Now where I will be going to the Yehel Radisson. <laughs> Do you have a name for it or anything? Uh, the Yehel Comfort Inn. Yeah. That doesn't really work either. The, the Yehel Super 8 or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to uh, Yehel's house and we are going to uh, attempt to film an episode of Obscurity Now live uh, in person. Uh, I'll be able to touch his face and he can touch mine. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll become a COVID badass while you're here in Florida too oh, and get some return. I hope not. <laughs> no, 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 hopefully not. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to be uh, watching a 
shot in Florida, a horror movie. Uh, I think it's called Die, Die, Delta Pi. I'm sure it's going to be great, <laughs> but you can't get more. <laughs> you can't get more obscure than that. Um, so it's a celebration of both Halloween uh, and um, and Tampa and well, the Delta variant. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sure, sure. I used to play bass for the Delta variant. Did I ever tell you that? Uh, was that really a band you were in? No. Oh, I don't know. You were in so many bands, Steve. I, I know, know, man. I know. Uh, but anyway, I'm I'm mad, you hell. I'm mad that we're not living under the sea in the future, and instead you have to battle COVID, and the whole world has to battle COVID. So yes. why don't we discuss why we aren't living under the sea with talking dolphins and uh, and Roy Scheider and uh, Ted mm. Raimi and his skin. Yeah. <laughs> he always looks so tan, so tan. Uh, but anyway, yes, we're here to talk about uh, Sequest, everyone. It, uh, let's see, I'll go with the, uh, it premiered, this, uh, we're talking about the Sequest pilot, to be more specific, premiered September 12th, 1993. Now, uh, did you watch it live, Yehel, when it premiered? No, I, I didn't, Steve, because it seemed to me that they were just trying to do Star Trek in the water, mm -hmm. which uh, I, I guess they do actually end up trying to do in the second season going forward. Right. Uh, and it just seemed fucking lame to me. Really? Oh, man, I was all on board for this. I don't really. really yeah, I don't really know. I think I was just maybe I was just into all things sci-fi back in the 90s and um, I was just like oh talking dolphins uh, submarines like sign me up I mean I don't know Jonathan about Brandis yeah. mm. well he did make quite an impression on me in both sidekicks and the Rodney Dangerfield classic ladybugs um, oh Jesus <laughs> yeah oh man that movie's hilarious we should do that one uh, eventually uh, yeah, but, sure I've never seen it but yeah I watched uh, I think I may have actually watched uh, Sequest all the way to the bitter end. Like I remember when Michael Ironside uh, took over. But um, before we get to Steve, uh, you, it sounds like you have very fond memories of it. If you think you watched it all the way to the end, three seasons, Steve. <laughs> Uh, three years of your life, and you're like, I think I might have watched the whole thing. I mean, it's so long ago. It's like 20 plus years ago. Um, but I just, all right, all but right. you know how it was back then. There were no uh, no streaming services or DVRs. You just hope to be in front of the TV when the thing was playing that uh, that you were watching. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember it was really weird um, for the premiere of either the second or third season, whichever one they did the the future jump, but. But so when did you jump on the Sequest bandwagon or did you ever? I do remember that uh, around the second season, I tried watching a few of them uh, because the commercials made it seem like they were doing some more like m more sci fi ish stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I watched like uh, one of because I think they did a few time travel episodes. I watched one of those. I do remember. And I remember they started introducing like aliens <laughs> into right, the show. Right. And so I gave it a shot, but I was like, man, this is like bad Star Trek, is basically what it. Uh, mm. Which, to be fair, that that is what Roy Scheider himself said. Oh, actually. I was gonna read off the uh, yeah the quotes from the uh, from the wiki uh, later on. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, ahead and I, I would like to uh, go mention for it. though, human hyperbole commented in the chat that it's a blur of dolphin puppets, '90s mop hair, and suddenly Michael Ironside for me. Yeah. 
<laughs> Suddenly, Michael Michael Ironside. That should be his uh, his like reality TV show. There um, should be that. That should actually be the description of Sequest, like on streaming services. A, a blur of dolphin puppets, '90s mob hair, and suddenly Michael Ironside. Yeah, that should be the title <laughs> of the uh, third season, like uh, opener, like uh, episode yeah. one. Suddenly, Michael Ironside. <laughs> and Stika is here as well. Thank you for joining us. But go ahead, Steve. I didn't mean to. Yeah, welcome back, fellas. Now I was just gonna jump into the. Um, feature presentation and we will continue. So just to pick back up, so basically, uh, you know, prior to rewatching this um, uh, pilot, you've just sort of seen couple of episodes here and there you were never really like mm-hmm. uh you would never like come to school and be like hey, guys guess what i saw and what i'm totally right. into I, I would never come to school and be like hey guys are you a sequester too <laughs> uh. <laughs> well i mean it seems like it still has a pretty strong uh cult following after all these years um but i definitely yeah well we'll get get into that later um but yeah i remember Liking it quite a bit, uh, even when they started adding all the uh, the crazy stuff. I liked it so much that I bought the first issue of the Sequest comic book, which should be uh, coming through on your end there in a second. Uh, wow. But then never any other issues uh, after that. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, back to the IMDb here. Um, so basically, your initial impression of Sequest is... This is Star Trek in the ocean, and dude, that's just lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm looking in the chat here. Uh, Stiga also only remembered uh, the Sega. He actually only knows it from the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo game. Uh, but Human Hyperbole said that nobody at school watched it, and I felt like I was hallucinating it every day. <laughs> I watched it, and I think my friends may have my friends who are imaginary of course uh but i, I do remember like a couple of people watching it at school <laughs> a couple and, of uh, losers they weren't at my yeah, star trek was... table in the lunchroom <laughs> yeah yeah i i never really like i couldn't really understand what they were saying to all because we were so busy shoving them into their locker <laughs> that uh <laughs> yeah me and the cool star trek kids yeah let's give them the wharf special guys yeah <laughs> like you're all talking clinging on to each other uh i can only imagine that that sounds like the best episode of saved by the bell never filmed uh but uh yeah. anyway uh so episode one here is called uh, to be or not to be and i really feel like they already missed the mark uh right off the bat it should have yeah. been to see or not to see uh oh. <laughs> see what i did there okay um, okay honestly a better title yeah thank you thank you and uh before we get too deep into the uh oh there's gonna be spoilers galore you can watch a sequest on the peacock all three seasons and it's weird if you try to google um sequest dsv it only comes up as uh sequest 2032 uh right now so yeah, they were real serious about uh, that name change. Uh, which... Well, I guess it makes change because the name change happens in season two. So it's three seasons long, so two thirds of but its life. It I was just don't understand. Right, I just don't understand why like the first season can't be DSV. But eh, whatever, IMDb, <laughs> you're you're getting under my skin here. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, here's the synopsis. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Captain Nathan Bridger is hauled out of retirement to command the new submarine Sequest 
under the authority of the United Earth Oceans Organization. His ship goes up against pirate forces commanded by Marilyn Stark, a former Sequest captain who tried to instigate a war. And uh, does that, you know, does that uh, plot slash synopsis sound a little familiar? It sounds like it's been done a million times. I mean, uh, really familiar, like one, two episodes ago familiar. Like um, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Oh familiar. my god! Yes, yeah, you're right. It is the plot from Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Yeah, although I would say that it's uh, funny. Uh, Nathan Bridger, he doesn't have nearly as many cool one-liners as uh, as Nick Fury. Um, and uh, no, no. And how obvious is that name, uh, Bridger? He's the bridge of the sea world and the land world. Like they really, really put some thought into that one. Uh, but. Uh, it was directed by Irvin Kirshner, uh, who's a pretty big deal. He directed RoboCop 2, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, James Bond Never Say Never Again, and uh, I thought I'd throw this one in here. Uh, he acted in On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal. Mm. Uh, and actually... Um, At least somebody was acting in that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. I'd, I'm glad to see COVID didn't destroy your sense of humor. Um, but, uh, the, um, let's see. Yeah. This was the last thing he actually directed, um, which I don't know. You can take that for what it's worth. Uh, this was, uh, the writers are Rockney S. O'Bannon. He did the teleplay and the story, and he's also the creator of Sequest. So this is his baby. And, uh, he's most known for writing alienation, eighties, twilight zone, uh, amazing stories, Farscape, and mm. this other show that I think I may have only been the one watching back when it came on called Cult. Do you remember Cult, Yehel? Nah, it was just you. Yeah, all right, all right. We don't need to go into that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I've, I've never heard of it. I, I do want to point out, uh, just because there's a really funny comment that Stika made, uh, everyone knows the high school pecking order. Sequest at the bottom, followed by Babylon 5 nerds, Star Trek nerds, Star Wars nerds at the very top. Our homeboys in outer space. <laughs> I think he made up that homeboys in outer space thing, but the rest of it I could say is probably pretty accurate. I mean, I don't know, man. Hugh Hyper said no, nobody uh, talked to the Babylon Five people. I just finished a Babylon Five rewatch. It's remastered on HBO Max, and it's really, really good. And by the way, speaking of remaster, did you notice? that this has been like remastered on peacock it's in uh, high definition oh yeah it was beautiful looked great yeah, yeah the, the only shot that's in standard definition is the very last uh like minute uh yeah. suddenly like it switches where they probably couldn't find the actual film negatives right, or something right and boy does it look like shit for a minute at the <laughs> end. but uh but otherwise yeah it, it looks very it, it's a beautiful looking show it really is Yep, they did a they did a good job there. And um, let's see. Oh, the other writer for um, Sequest was uh, Tommy Thompson. Uh, I think he was one of the Thompson twins back in the eighties. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I went to school with a guy named Tommy Thompson. Oh, man, the, uh, those his parents need to uh, 
little, get a little creative. Anyway, he wrote uh, The Pretender, Quantum Leap, Viper, and like a couple of other things. Um, oh, I like The Pretender. Yeah. Oh, you like that show too? Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. I was the other guy watching. <laughs> hey, The Pretender <laughs> lasted a long time. No, it did. Um, it did. It did. I'm also, I'm also a big Quantum Leap fan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so there's quite a few producers here, but I mean, including Rockney S. O'Bannon, as I said, Sequest is his baby. But then also most notably is uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, and this was produced by his uh, company back in the 90s, uh, Amlin, along with Universal uh, Television. And uh, according to my research, I guess the reason why Sequest kept getting retooled uh, season to season was because of the um, producers um, battling it out with the network. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the numbers were good, but just, I guess they wanted them to be uh, even better. Um, I, I, and I can understand that because when you watch Sequest, one of the first things that stuck out to me is this looks very expensive. Uh, the sets are movie quality sets for, for the time. Oh, the uh, interior of Sequest looks awesome. And there are a lot of sets. Yeah, yes, uh, there in are. This. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shocking amount. It's a big cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some names in the cast. Yeah. Uh, besides Roy Scheider, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking so of the yeah, cast, I can... would, would you like to go ahead and bang it out? Sure, sure. Uh, by the way, everybody in the chat is a Pretender fan. Yes. Uh, so all right. That's pretty cool that Thank... all of us are Pretender fans. We're going to have to but, add uh, it to the co- list. Of course, the, the big star of the show uh, it's supposed to be Roy Scheider, who I think we all probably know him best from uh, the TV movie Lamp at Midnight, where he plays <laughs> Francesco Barberini. Uh, you remember? <laughs> I heard he did some other thing called Jaws. I don't know, but I know him from Lamp at Midnight. I know him from uh, a canon film. It's like a neo-noir called uh, 52 Pickup. Um, that's pretty awesome. Um, he's actually really good in that. But yeah, it's weird. I feel like um, he kind of had like a, he was like a, somewhat big movie star late 70s early 80s and then mm-hmm. not really much and then he popped up in sequest like eh. yeah and i yeah. think i kind I mean, of understand why after i read those quotes but uh but we can get to that later <laughs> yeah so like i said earlier it, it's a really big cast so i'm not going to go through all of them uh jonathan brandis who plays like your there's a lot of tropes in sequest oh, sure. a lot of tropey characters but uh, he plays, uh, you know, like your typical genius kid who's also a bit of a rebel. Um, <laughs> he reads play dudes. <laughs> I don't know how I felt about his him in the, these first two episodes, at least. But uh, <laughs> Don, Don Franklin is the commander. Um, Ted Raimi. Is, is he related to Sam Raimi? He sure is. And I've, I've met Ted Raimi a few times uh, at conventions. Um, he's just as nerdy in person as he is on this show. Um, but I don't know. I've always liked him and I even liked him. I think this was the first time I ever actually saw him. Um, if you want to see more of his work, he's in this really bizarre, uh, it's just funny trying to see him act as like this bizarre serial killer in, um, I have to bring it up real quick, but, uh, anyway, yeah, Ted Raimi is the, uh, is the brother of big time Hollywood director, Sam Raimi, director of Army of Darkness, Spider-Man, Evil Dead, and so on. Um, there's also, um, I'm in the chat, Human Hyperbole was talking about uh, about how the puppet dolphin rides the skateboard. And I didn't know that Darwin, the dolphin, is a, I mean, obviously, the, the, there's a few shots with a real dolphin, but mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, he's a puppet. 
I knew um, that. I remember they did a behind the scenes on like NBC or something on uh, on Sequest, and I remember they showed that, and it blew my mind. Dude, uh, my mind is blown, and it made me feel better because I was like, man, they're putting all this shit on the doll. Some of this shit looks heavy. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that they went with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, again, I'm not going to go through the whole cast. Um, Frank Welker is in this. Uh, he does some voice effects. He's got to be the voice, does, like, the voice of Darwin, right? And that, yeah. I, I'm not sure what he did the voice of. I guess mm-hmm. I should have checked. Um, there's a few uh, other people, though, that I want to point out. Obviously, we have Michael Ironside. Um, he was not in the uh, pilot, but la- later on, he joins the cast. Um, and Steve, oh. there's quite a few Star Trek references. Uh, okay, you, you, we'll do, you name them one after another, so, and then I'll have it ready to go. All right, so... First of all, speaking of Darwin, uh, the animatronic uh, was designed by a guy who also created some animatronics for Star Trek for the Voyage Home, uh, which is the one with the whales. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that one. Yeah, it's, it's a really funny one. Uh, Admiral Noyce. Coincidentally, I first knew him as Admiral P- Paris on Star Trek Voyager. So this guy just keeps getting typecast as an admiral. Um <laughs> But uh, he was also so he's in a bunch of episodes of Voyager. He was also in Star Trek Renegades, and he was also a Klingon in the amazing TNG two-parter Birthright. <gasps> the lady that plays the head scientist <laughs> was Moriarty's girlfriend on uh, a couple episodes of TNG. That's uh-huh. uh, the actress's name is Stephanie Beecham. She played the Countess Regina Bartholomew. Wow. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the hologram that you see. Uh, <laughs> We're using the word hologram very fucking loosely. Right, right. Uh, but the hologram on this show, that guy, uh, he's on Babylon 5, coincidentally. He's also in a few episodes of T, a couple episodes in TNG. He's on an episode of Star Trek Voyager. He's in Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. And he's in the 2009 Star Trek movie. Wow. Um, also, one of the writers, uh, Melinda Snodgrass, mm-hmm. was uh, one of the uh, main writers uh, behind uh, TNG. Uh, and also, there were a couple of the directors I recognize as frequent directors from Voyager, uh, well, basically TNG Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Mm. That's it. Okay, here it comes. Ah! Oh no! We've just entered another Star Trek connection! Ah! Wow, that's a lot. Well, uh, that pretty impressive what you did there. I actually have some uh, connections of my own, or really just one. Like, I would love if there was a way that I could connect everyone to Twin Peaks or David Lynch, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't. Uh, that's a lot harder, I think, than Star Trek. <laughs> I think so. But there is a Twin Peaks connection here. Um, oh shoot, I lost them. It's the. Uh, He's the bad guy um, next to, um, oh, there he is, Eric DeRay um, as Maxwell. He was uh, Captain Stark's uh, right-hand man, and he played Leo, um, the abusive boyfriend of Shelly in Twin Peaks. Uh, So, yes, for all you Twin Peaks fans, there's one for you. Or uh, fans of abusive boyfriends? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope there are none in the audience. Yeah, uh, I hope so too. I I'm with uh, you there. Human buddy. hyperbole also uh, noted that the whale Star Trek movie is his favorite movie, and wait, <laughs> favorite said, movie of all time? His favorite old Star Trek. Oh, movie. gotcha, gotcha. I, I I would say it's probably 
what well, it, it, between that one and the undiscovered country for the old ones but uh i agree anyways uh <laughs> yeah so should we get into the the sea quest Oh, absolutely. Oh, so, okay. That was, uh, yeah, the majority. So the majority of the cast worked on Star Trek. Wow. They really yeah. did want to do uh, Star Trek underwater, which I don't know. And, and I'm actually pretty sure that I missed a few people uh, that I, I, I recognize their faces. And um, they probably played like a lot of like background mm -hmm. aliens and that kind of stuff on Trek. But I wasn't going to sit there and go through everybody's IMDb. But... I'm pretty sure I missed at least three, maybe four more people. Uh, you also didn't mention, well, I'll, I have to do it, I guess, for uh, fans of a drive-in movie fair. Michael Parks, who I guess plays the uh, the bad guy. He's like, a, I don't know, kind of like a big-time cult uh, B-movie drive-in actor that people who are really into Tarantino know about, which is why I know about him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, wow. Um, Sequest. Uh, starts out with a pretty good uh, cold open, I'd say. Um, we actually start out on um, Captain Stark's uh, submarine. And Captain Stark is basically the... I wouldn't say she's the lead bad guy or antagonist. She's the uh, mini-boss, if you will. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I wasn't... Uh, she was one of my least favorite characters on the show, I will say. I felt she was pretty generic mm -hmm. um there's no motive real motivations given to her um that well yeah i mean i would say well that... let me explain well okay go ahead in the second half she technically has motivations like of revenge mm -hmm. right but initially we don't really have any motivations for her like why she wants to instigate this war um and she's so like kind of She's over the top bad guy, but mm -hmm. not quite over the top enough to be hammy and fun. Right, right, right. Yeah, with a show like this, that's a tough line to walk, um, I would I agree. say. I agree. Um, I didn't, like, hate her completely. Like, she, she was basically doing that thing where, like, you know, I'm acting like I'm the bad guy so people know I'm the bad guy. <laughs> that, uh -huh, that kind yeah. of thing. And um, she's got some weird lines, too, that are, like, not great. Like, uh... I, you know, like when she's talking to uh, what's Roy Scheider's character's name? Captain Bridger, Nathan Bridger. Bridger. She's mm -hmm. I don't know. They say you know they're about to face off. She's like, oh, uh, you know, we'll have to see uh, who gets the last whatever. Or something. I, it's just like I don't know. Little, 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 little generic. Her her big line was, um, and they also quoted it on the IMDb, I believe, is like, I've already beaten the Sequest. Now. I just want to watch her drown. Her drown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost, almost, almost Nick Fury esque, but nah, not exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, by the way, the uh, the other main bad guy, and I'm sorry, I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but the real bad guy that's like mm -hmm. hired her. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that guy's an American, right? Putting yeah, on, that's like, a weird accent. That's Michael Parks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I cannot understand him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I didn't know where his uh, accent was supposed to be coming from either. I don't uh, think he knows either. <laughs> right. They were just like, I'm sure uh, all the, um, you know, the directors and stuff were probably already big fans. They were like, just do what you want, Michael. It's okay. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, we think yeah. you're great. Uh, so go ahead. But yeah, basically she's like this overzealous. Uh, actually, I think she says that, um, you know, she's just kind of tired of, getting like uh, letting these like pirates or whatever get all the um like get away with everything like you know she's a loose cannon basically 
So she's telling her crew, and who uh, pretty much end up being the crew of Sequest, like to disobey the orders from the the UEO uh, and mm-hmm. to go after this uh like pirate um submarine um and well there was like some kind of there was like a stalemate between like two groups mm-hmm. um and yeah she was a, her she, she, she's like yeah okay fire the nuclear weapon anyway right 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 yeah and um and the dude the guy who ends up being the uh, the commander of the sequest he basically relieves her of her duty before she can do anything. And uh, that's basically the end of the cold open. Um, and uh, yeah, so they didn't get to like start a big war and like destroy everyone. And now uh, 13 months later, I believe it says, and we're in the, uh, the first act and we see our man, Nick Fury, I mean, Captain, retired Captain Nathan Bridger, living the sweet life on like an island out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he's hanging out with dolphins. He's super tan. He's retired from, from working in the military. And, uh, and who should show up? No, not S.H.I.E.L.D., but his old, like, you know, military buddy uh, to try to get him back into retirement. Um, yeah. What did you think about the Admiral? Because the Admiral does talk to the Commander first uh, from the original Sequest from 13 years ago. And he t- tells him that, you know, to convince uh, Captain... What's his name? Bridger? Trugger? Bridger. Bridger. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Nathan Bridger, right? I can yeah. remember his first name. Yeah. But uh, anyways, to get Bridger to agree to take over the Sequest, the, mm-hmm. the, the Admiral's big plan is to have the commander act like an idiot and like he's incompetent right uh whatever bridger's around mm-hmm. it's like what <laughs> i mean he really wanted them to to pilot or captain the sequest because he's the one who originally designed it um I, and i i get why he wants bridger to command i just think his plan doesn't make any sense because couldn't bridger just be like hey by the way admiral this commander you got is kind of incompetent. Get a different one from the hundreds of thousands of people in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a plot hole there. I mean, I'd say for the most part uh, that the pilot is fairly competently written. I mean, aside from what you just pointed out there, um, you know, nothing too uh, extravagant, but it definitely peter- agree. It peters out in the third act, but we'll get there. Um but yeah, basically we learn, um, I don't know if we learn right there on the, on the island, but, um, but yeah, Nathan Bridger is basically your reluctant hero. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the military. He doesn't even want to pilot the, the great, or captain, the great sea quest, the thing that he, um, built himself. Uh, but they, um, it's, it's George's boss from Seinfeld. Do you remember <laughs> is that, is he in the cast? Like, uh, hold on, let me bring up the. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, that's too bad. I I meant to look it up later, but anyway, uh, he um yeah. So basically, he's like, oh, well, why don't you just come take a look at you know what we did to your to your baby? And he's like, fine, I'm only looking, and that's it. Uh, what do you think about Roy Scheider's uh, performance uh, in this role <laughs> and in general? I man. I don't know if he was – it seemed at times like he did not want to do the show uh, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like whenever – Roy Scheider is one of those actors that to me – and I've only seen him in a few things. But mm-hmm. 
whenever there's a line of dialogue he's not into, you can kind of tell he's not into it. And like the way he delivers some of the dialogue is kind of like just really phoning it in and uh, or he'll like talk through it kind of quick too, mm-hmm. which is another thing I noticed that he'll do sometimes. So I don't know, man. But at the same time, it kind of works because he's supposed to be a guy that doesn't want to be bothered by these people. Right. Uh, right. The only yeah. problem is later on <laughs> when he keeps doing it. But uh, I thought he was okay. I I think he I, I, did a decent job of like, yeah, he's half curmudgeon and also trying to be likable at the same time. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, watching as a, as a young lad in high school and uh, thinking, you know, that guy's okay. He's like captain-y enough. But I definitely... I definitely see where you're coming from as well. Like I'm trying to look for those uh, quotes. Like basically, oh, I've got the quotes. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the from him. Yeah, you're talking about the quotes when uh, it turns into uh, uh, season two when he has like uh, and he gets all mad about it. Yeah, like he. Um, yeah, basically, as I said, um, Sequest gets retooled from season to season. Um, they, I guess in season two, they decide to add uh, aliens and a bunch of other stuff that he wasn't yeah. too happy with. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, season you, two is when they do the uh, the time travel mm-hmm. and the aliens, uh, genetic engineering, monsters of the week kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, there's killer plants, uh, a giant fire-breathing worm. It's You know, uh, I think it might be like a generational thing because, all right, you know, we're both huge fans of um, uh, Battlestar Galactica. And I remember mm-hmm. that uh, Edward James almost... He said if that they if they ever had aliens in Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. that he would quit. So yeah. I mean I don't know I, I think it's just a generational thing. I mean it would that would have kind of like thrown this show completely out of orbit. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah I don't know it's a weird uh, maybe that makes them feel like they're in a B movie or something like that. But I, I think you know like because of the era that they came up with you know unless because really before star trek there wasn't a lot of science fiction that kind of took it seriously a lot of it was like very hokey you know and it didn't like necessarily explore big moral ideas yeah well Um, i mean you've got 2001 and that's really about it (laughs) right right yeah uh there just wasn't a lot you know Mm -hmm. so i think that that and, and unless they were like watching you know those things then they're just right. going to think of the hokey Flash Gordon type stuff, you know. Sure. So, and it, I get it. And we'll we'll get back on track. But it's funny when they replace him with uh, Michael Ironside. It's then said that Michael Ironside had a lot of problem with all that, um, you know, more fantastic stuff too. To where he's like, I'm not going to do it unless you like write it out. And there was it says here that he didn't want to talk to Darwin. <laughs> Who doesn't want to talk to a talking dolphin? Uh, I, I mean, but see, that bothers me because Ironside knew what he was signing up for. Right. Because he, he doesn't come into, what, season three, I think? Yep, yep. He's only like in 13 episodes. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least with Rorschach, this is the quote. Uh, and he, he, this is from an interview he gave during the second season. So it's on the air. Right. This is him, quote unquote, promoting the show. <laughs> Uh, he says, it's childish trash. I am very bitter about it. I feel betrayed. It's not even good fantasy. I mean, Star Trek does this stuff much better than we can do it. Not only that, much better than we're doing it. He's saying much better than we can do it. Right, right. Uh, to me, the show is now 21 Jump Street meets Star Trek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
That so, sounds yeah, like the critic reviewing a show or something or a movie. <laughs> yeah. So he also said that it became more of a con- he became his character became more of a combat commander than a scientific commander, mm-hmm. and I hadn't signed up for that. Right, right, right. Uh, so yeah, and that's what makes me believe that that's why we didn't really see Roy Scheider in like a whole lot of stuff. He just, uh, I'm, I'm guessing he's kind of a little hard to work with. Um, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, anyway, um, back to the episode, <laughs> see or not to see. Um, and basically the whole first act is, you know, he gets to the ship, you meet all the crew members, um, the, the important ones, at least you get to see how beautiful the interior of the Sequest looks. Um, they, they say how, you know, Darwin, how he's able to talk, how Lucas is um, so smart that he rigged up some kind of like mm-hmm. talking. You also find out that Darwin was the same dolphin he was that Roy Scheider was hanging out with and uh, possibly making sweet love to on the island. Right. Uh, so they kidnap <laughs> the dolphin, which the, the Navy does. But uh, right, and, right. And then why did we have to learn from Darwin that? Roy Scheider. Uh, there, okay, so Roy Scheider. <laughs> <This is> funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he was on the island, he had been teaching dolphin. He had been communicating with, with dolphin by like hand signals. Uh, and then now they've got this thing where this guy Jonathan Brandis built that he can like talk to the dolphin. The dolphin can talk back. Mm-hmm. Fine. But Roy Scheider, uh, Nathan Bridger wants to make sure this is legitimately legitimately real. So he asked Darwin, "How did we first meet?" Right. That's a good question, right? Yeah. And then Darwin says, "Oh, I was hurt, and you helped me." Right. And Roy Scheider somehow is not satisfied. Right. Right. That's so, so Nathan Bridger not satisfied. Let me ask one more follow up question. What's my What's my favorite color? Swimsuit. No suit. <laughs> he says, "No color. Skin. Right. Skin." And then Nathan Bridger says, "That's right. I don't. I don't wear a swimsuit when I swim." So fuck are you doing swimming with this dolphin naked <laughs> right right see i told you they were having a, a relationship um but uh and then they did a they did a callback to that later and like the lady was like what does yeah. he mean all that no suit stuff and he's just like ah, i'm gonna i like, yeah uh, i'm gonna swim with no suit just skin right. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with this dolphin <laughs> yeah see i was i was worried we weren't gonna find enough to to make fun of with this but i'm glad you picked up on that because yeah it was a uh, pretty bizarre pretty bizarre indeed um and uh and so yeah uh, basically moving forward a bit more and stop me if i'm missing anything too important um, the sequest starts moving and, uh, Nathan Bridger freaks out. Why, why is this boat moving? Like you need to <laughs> pull over on the side of the shore and let me out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically this was all part of George Costanza's boss, boss's plan around this time. We're introduced to the, uh, main villains or antagonists of a uh, sequest. Uh, and they are. Uh, I mean, I don't remember their names. Uh. <laughs> Michael Parks. I don't remember his name either. Um, and uh, Captain Stark. Well, we were already introduced to her, but basically she's being um, hired by um, Michael Parks, whose name is... It's, uh, Le- it's George Le Chien, which sounds very uh, Asian, and yet... He- and French? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's the future, so you know, like diversity, um, I guess. Um, but uh, but yeah, so he's this billionaire who like, doesn't like rules, and he wants to be able to like, I guess, treasure hunt wherever he wants. Uh, and he doesn't want the sequest getting in his way, so he hires uh, Captain Stark, uh, no relation to Tony Stark or those people from Game of Thrones, I would assume, um, to uh, destroy the sequest or take it down in one way or another. Um, and that's when we also see uh, Bobby from Twin Peaks, uh, which was I don't know, which was a thrill for me, and I'm sure it was for you, right, Yael? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> he still has his ponytail. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this uh, act one into act two, basically, it feels like we're we're in there for a while. Just seeing all the little nooks and crannies of a sequest, meeting all the new people. Uh, there's like a weird, as you mentioned before, this hologram thing that shines mm-hmm. on water because, of course, it's water because sequest... <laughs> it's not water i thought it was at first it's like steam oh <laughs> why is that so uh, funny they do a shot where you can kind of see um the table that it goes and you can see it dispersing like mm-hmm. steam mm-hmm. okay and but uh, either way stupid like, at first i was like oh that's pretty cool i thought it was water at first so i'm like oh that's cool that they're just like you know using a projector like onto it but at least it was different and then after all i was like nah this is kind of cheap now isn't there i i guess this is basically in place of the uh captain's log for star trek basically because you know the captain's log was you know picard or kirk's you know in-depth uh, thoughts about uh, what was going on so instead of that we get weird steamy hologram yeah i wasn't like crazy about it because it, it didn't seem like nathan bridger they didn't seem like he's the type of person that would like talk use a hologram as a sounding board to figure out his problems and that's what he is and mm. he even had like he has a heart to heart conversation with the hologram later on and nathan bridger says oh i'm really glad you came along <laughs> right that's like well what i think is funny is that they made sure to uh to say that i think it was the hologram itself was like you can change my image by putting a photograph in my databanks uh yeah. which is a foreshadowing for what happens at the end of the of the episode um but, uh, yeah, so at this point, um, I think uh, Nathan Bridger was already freaking out because the uh, ship started moving. Um, they go after... Uh, let, me, let me check my notes. Uh, they, they eventually run into Captain Stark and her team of <laughs> rowdy pirates, right? <laughs> um, and uh and then it's basically the rest of the whole movie or or tv movie slash episode whatever you want to call it is basically sequest versus captain stark and her uh her pirates yeah um and that's yeah that's basically where act two uh comes in and he's asked uh nathan bridger is asked several times by uh the commander um who uh i think what do you think of the commander and his performance? Man, it was weird because he wasn't acting like a bumbling idiot like mm-hmm. the admiral told him to. Right. Uh, and it's it's not it wasn't like a choice made by the actor. The writing didn't have him acting like an idiot. So I was kind of like, what's the point of that? He was just kind of like being difficult. Right. I, I, I thought his performance was fine. It's just like 
the character was all over the place. Well, I like, so, I mean, it was all over the place, but at the same time, he was very uh, reserved, which I kind of like because I think if you're going to, if you want a guy to assume command, you want him to be in control of, uh, of his emotions. Like he appeared to me like a guy who didn't want to look like an idiot, but was forced to, and he didn't seem like he was enjoying it at all. But, but he never did anything to make himself look stupid. No, is no. The problem. <laughs> he should. Like, no, he didn't do one thing. He didn't even slip on a banana peel. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that he was being reserved. I mean, like, it was pretty obvious that he was, like, not happy with the captain being there. Right. Well, I mean, and he fact, wasn't like, like... Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. I was gonna, In fact, Nathan Bridger, like, even calls it out to him. Mm. That's true. But I just thought he, it always seemed like he was like gritting his teeth. Like, would the captain like to assume command now? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It didn't seem reserved to me at all. Like, right. I don't know, it was just... Well, I mean, uh, compared. I, I know you've got a lot of fond memories for the show, Steve. <laughs> I, th- 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 this is not. It's weird because I do agree with you that the plot is competent mm-hmm. overall. But the details, like the dialogue the characters like it, there's a lot of inconsistencies i would say the only cons- consistently consistent character in this uh is a character that doesn't get a lot of time and it would be the guy that uh is like why didn't you bring the porn collection uh, <laughs> oh you, you mean uh the guy who was friends with nathan bridger's son yeah yeah, the yeah. sleazy He's like oh i've got him right here yeah cat um krieger his i believe his name was um yeah and yeah, that was a weird. That didn't have any uh, payoff in the uh, in the rest of the pilot. Oh, we didn't get to see porn. No, see porn no, later. no. <laughs> well, I mean, no one wants to see videos of Roy Scheider making out with a dolphin. Um, at least, <laughs> no one who watches this show, I hope. Um, uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, he just like met his uh, met this guy and was like, "Oh, I was friends with your son." Um, and uh and i was like oh this guy's gonna end up this i immediately thought like oh this guy's gonna like sacrifice himself in the end or whatever he's like i'm gonna do it for your son i'm gonna do it for you uh and and maybe that happened like you know three or four episodes it was just basically he was just there to establish that he was there so he could be used in future episodes but he really didn't do anything uh, within the span. Yeah, he was kind of comic relief. Yeah, well, which was good because this uh, needed, uh, I mean, aside from Roy Scheider swimming naked with a dolphin, this needed a little more uh, levity uh, for sure. And all oh, the hilarious um, Lucas reading, I think it's actually play pen. Or like, did they just show him reading porn for some reason? Because he's yeah. so edgy and in your face and works out with George. Or, but you know what's weird? He was reading it. Yeah. <laughs> He was just reading it for the articles. Like three layers of clothing, you know. Mm -hmm. He was just reading it for the articles, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, I mean, we can probably sum up the the plot here pretty quickly. Um, As I said before, uh, you... All right. After Nathan Bridger, or we as the audience, get on the sequest at at the end of act one it's like you're on there and for the rest of the pilot and you're not going yeah you're never gonna see light again <laughs> uh <laughs> and uh, i could see that as kind of being a um it's kind of a problem for like the average viewer because it does start to feel like just sort of claustrophobic after a while and it's like when am i going to get to see the sun again um and it also plays to the end of the third act when it's basically um 
Bridger versus Stark. They also revealed that um, Captain Bridger trained uh, Captain Stark. I mean, I guess to make it more personal In or the something. Art of war. Yes, exactly. Um, they say. So they're uh, they're having their standoff at the end. And, you know, I thought they were going to go, you know, I've seen this before, but obviously it's been years and I completely forgot about it. And I would say the, um, like the typical sort of resolution to this, we saw it in uh, Batman the movie, is that like maybe the subs like use all their ammo and they're both, uh, one of them forces the other one to surface. And then you actually get some like hand to hand sort of human to human contact. Nope. You don't get any of that with this. It's just, uh, it's like we win. Uh, they they did this. They hatched this plan that was kind of cool, I guess. Um, they needed. Can you describe the plan in which they used Darwin? They basically so basically yeah. their um, Stark earlier. She had alluded to um, how she's already beaten Sequest. Mm-hmm. She just wants to watch it drown. And what it is is that 13 years ago. This doesn't make any sense either. So 13 years ago, she puts a virus on board Sequest, presumably after she's been relieved of her command because uh, the commander of Sequest, the guy that would become commander of Sequest, didn't want her to fire the nuke, which is in violation of the orders that they were given anyway. Right. So I guess then she was allowed to go back to her room and she just had this virus ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. You know, if, you're vi- if you're violating orders to like shoot a nuke, at another boat, you're going to at least get a court-martial. You know, you're not going to be allowed to, like, uh, do stuff. Right, uh, right. I, I think I know the um, whole point of the virus, if I can jump in there real quick. Like, I think, obviously, the Sequest could have easily destroyed Captain Stark or really any submarine because it's so freaking massive. They just needed something to, like, cripple it for a bit. It's like when Superman gets, like, you know punched with the kryptonite ring from yeah. batman yeah yeah that's basically it, why it's it was fine there. I, I i get why they needed it mm-hmm. i think the way they did it was stupid and nonsensical a, like yeah a better way is you know you f- you know you find out that one of the new crew or like a traitor snuck on and just you know yeah. inserted and like the thing is yeah and the thing is steve nothing was she didn't do anything to trigger the virus. It just mm. like happened to go off 13 right. years, like right at the right time. <laughs> That's like, true. That's a good point. <laughs> so I'm telling you, the, the, again, like the overall ideas in this pilot are good. Just mm. like the execution, the details, like not good. Uh, not paying attention to detail. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's this stupid virus um, <laughs> uh, that disables like their, um, their sensors and... Um, it messes with their uh, ability to fire weapons and that kind of stuff. So they need, in order to be able to, fi- and they get hit by a torpedo from Stark's boat that mm-hmm. kind of disables them too further. And in order to fight back, they figure out a way to get around the virus. And by there's some awful like 90s uh, fake computer tech talk, like when uh, Jonathan Brandis is trying to figure out the virus, like, oh no, the virus has watchdogs. And literally the computer starts playing barking, barking sounds. Oh gosh. Oh, speaking of the 90s, like the most, and I think the most 90s shots in this I know entire say. pilot is when the, the lady uses VR to pilot the, the uh, hyper reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. so hilarious. Um, um, stay tuned for our Lawnmower Man episode. It's going to come out yeah. eventually. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, they, what, what they need Darwin to put a tag mm-hmm. on the boat. Um, and then they'll be able to use that to manually shoot a missile. And the missile can use that tag on Stark's boat to know where to go to hit her. And this does call back to 
at the very beginning of the episode where we see uh, Captain Bridger uh, with Darwin mm-hmm. at his island telling him to go tag something. I don't know what the fuck he's on to tag or why. Tag you know. me, Darwin. Tag me. Tag, me. tag my <laughs> testicles. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they tag the boat and then they're able to fire. And, and b- before he that happens, they uh, Bridger does uh, speak to Starks and they just have like typical... You know, I'm an evil, bad person, right. and uh, you're a mate. good guy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, nothing to write home about there. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It, it was a little anticlimactic the the finish. Like they just shoot a torpedo, uh, and that takes down the other boat. Right. Like I felt that they needed at least something. Like, all right, so let's assume that they spent all their money on the interior of the Sequest, not to mention their um, computer-generated like exterior underwater shots, um, which, I mean, you could tell there's definitely a, a lack of those. Um, but I feel like they're pretty decent because the, uh, the dark, obviously the dark, murky depths of the sea keep you from being able to tell that it's obvious 90s CGI. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, being so dark and murky like helps add to the realism Mm -hmm. uh and it really covers up a lot because there's a few shots where they do get close and something's kind of better lit Mm -hmm. to um like they sent a probe at one point or something Mm -hmm. and there's a couple shots where it's like ooh, the light hits and you're like ooh, it doesn't look too good but for the most part it looks pretty good unfortunately because it's so dark and murky i would also say sometimes it's hard to tell what is going on right Um, oh yeah like i have no idea what the shape of the sequest is, for example. <laughs> well, I mean, here in our uh, slideshow, there's like an entire map of the, like a schematic of the uh, sequest. Right. So you pay attention to that when it shows up. But right, right. So, but unless you're looking up schematics and picture, right. like you, you, you can't tell from at least in this episode. See, I think uh, it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, I have a feeling that they did some like focus groups down the line. Because I remember in the premiere for either season two or season three, when they're in the future, the Sequest is like out on land, like fully lit, like so you can see Mm -hmm. the whole thing at one point. Um, And I just, you know, it just sounds like, you know, market research or whatever. They just got some regular people and are like, why can't I ever see the Sequest? And they're like, oh, we got to We got to fix that for him. It's like, um, but um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, I just felt like they needed some sort of human to human like moment at the end. Like you just as in Batman, the movie, you force the subs to rise you know, Captain Stark, maybe there's like a, you know, an action scene on top where there's like some fisticuffs or something. Maybe that's Why would a little... they go to the t- What's up? No, I mean, at Why the surface, go... you know, they have to. I know what you're saying. Right. Like, Why would they get out of the top of their submarine? Oh, well, if, start well, if they don't get out, they're going <laughs> to die for some reason. It's going to sink. It's going to take it on water. The They've already. <laughs> I mean, they have to get out of the submarine, though. You hell, they just can't stay in it forever. Yeah. Work l- l- with l- me l- here. Like maybe they could have. I like maybe they could have had the bad guys have like uh, little escape pods and then they go on to the sequest <laughs> yeah. or something and try to take good. it over. Okay, so let's say that you don't have that money to do that stuff. See, that's see, fine. Steve, but, uh, Star Trek in space is lame. <laughs> you mean in <laughs> they the don't sea? Have any Star Trek to, in to the be able sea. To meet up. Yeah, yeah. Well, they could have just they haul Stark out. They um, you see her in plain as day on uh, each sub is like next to one another. And Nathan Bridger is like, yeah, 
I always knew you were bad news or something like that. It's like, now you're just sunk. Like, I don't know, something lame like that. But at least they got to, like, see, I'm just, I'm sorry, but, you know, fighting someone via, you know, via Skype or, you know, uh, whatever, view <laughs> viewfinder just really isn't that, it's not that personal is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, I mean, um, did you really want to see, like, 80-year-old Roy Scheider get into a... Uh fist fight with a uh, 49 year old uh, no 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 he doesn't have to do the fighting it's you know you send the security team or whatever from sequest to like bring her up there doesn't have to be fighting because i know obviously at the at the beginning of sequest they you know they wanted to to be kind of like star trek where it was all about the research and the ocean and peace and stuff like that which is very 90s all great things for sure uh so you know he could have just been like you know you are my prize student and now you're just uh, my prize. Yeah, <laughs> throw her in the brig. <laughs> Do your thing to her, uh, Darwin. Do your thing with your dorsal fin. Uh, wow, this got really dark. But but yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we're both saying the same thing here. That third act kind of petered out. Um, like I can't yeah. I can't really think of anything down the down the line where I was like. Ooh, wow, I remember some cool action scenes there. Um, but I'm just, obviously, it sounds like they tried to add them, and um, it didn't really sit too well with one yeah. Roy Scheider. <laughs> right. Uh, and we should add that throughout the entire episode up until the third act, mm-hmm. uh, Nathan Bridger, Roy Scheider's character, is refusing to take command. Sure, sure. Um, even at some point, he starts, even though he starts giving orders, right. because uh, the commander is, I guess, like, at one point, I guess he doesn't make a decision. This is the closest to him acting incompetent that mm-hmm. happens. Oh, he and freaks he's like out. Real sweaty yeah. during this. Very weird. Uh, remember, like he's the only one sweating. Yeah. He's super sweaty, and so I don't know if he was. Su- and and that's dumb because I was like, well, if he's supposed to be pretending to be incompetent, can, can this guy make himself super sweaty on command? <laughs> Somebody else is sweating. I think you know. I think the idea is that he was freaking out. Uh, yeah, it's like he's legitimately freaking out. Yes, but he's supposed to be a great commander. So now that goes against his character. Like, there's so much inconsistency with these characters. Well, they um, had to basically, you know, blaze a path for one Nathan Bridger because this. I mean, this is obviously his movie slash his show or but whatever. But why not have? Because they had just gotten. This is like shortly after they get hit by the torpedo. Why not have the commander uh, guy get injured mm-hmm. and he's like indisposed? That, and now Nathan Bridger has no choice. Right. The command. And now you don't have your commander look like an idiot or or like he is isn't good under pressure, like whatever, because later on he's fine. It's only this one time he's not good under pressure. So it's not like a common character trait for him. Right. I mean, so, I agree with you. Uh, you're absolutely right. I- and it also because the way Nathan Bridger starts to take over and starts doing orders, he's going against everything he said he was going to do before. Right. Because he just kind of starts giving orders and then he just keeps doing it and doing it. And now he's in charge. But, I mean, they uh, they try to justify all that at the end. <laughs> and I love how they use uh, 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 Lucas and his um, divorced parents as a reason. Uh, because... Basically, at the end, um, I guess they just wanted a moment with Lucas and Captain Bridger for some reason. Uh, Captain Bridger's sitting there at his desk or somewhere, and in comes Lucas, and he's like, uh, 
so uh looks like you assumed command or whatever and he was like uh yeah i, I guess i did but i promised my he's wife like, you're gonna stick around yeah he's like i promised my wife i wouldn't and then lucas was like um yeah well my parents promised that they were going to be married or that they were going to stay together but they made each other miserable and eventually they got divorced and like that was the catalyst for roy yeah, Shire. he's like i guess they didn't expect things to change right right uh, right he's like i guess it is okay to break promises thank you lucas you're so smart <laughs> do you have any more <laughs> of that you, porn uh, steven spielberg <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was like spielberg a child of divorce or i think everyone was just divorce crazy in like 80s and 90s uh, media yeah. like that was I mean I I get what he's trying to say that like hey you made a promise under X circumstances right. and the circumstances now are wildly different or wildly unexpected mm-hmm. sure it um, makes sense so that promise and the person you made it to even wouldn't necessarily even want you to keep it so again it's a good idea for a scene but not executed well <laughs> and that is basically uh, the sequest pilot to see or not to see, uh, also known as uh, to be or not to be. Where have I heard that before? Uh, oh, well, maybe I'm the one who came up with it. <laughs> uh, so uh, so basically, it's time, I guess, to answer the question. All right, here comes the, uh, the time in the show where we try to decide if... Uh, Insert media should live on or be tossed in the black hole of obscurity. So, uh, Agent Velasquez of the UEO, should Sequest be remembered for all of mankind or should it be tossed into the black hole of obscurity never to be heard from again? Well, by the way, the UEO logo looks Mm. suspiciously like Star Trek's United (laughs) Federation of Planets logo. Uh, but you have but to admit that, that there. you have to admit the Sequest logo is pretty awesome, though. Yeah, yeah, a triangle. Yeah. Well, yeah, with, with the hammerhead shark as the Q little Q <laughs> no, no, line, no, no, no. It, it, it's good. It's wow, good. you really uh, hate Sequest. I think I know what the no, answer it, is here. It, it's it's a good logo, actually. Uh, and one thing I do like about the logo is that it's uh, it's kind of timeless. Mm. It doesn't like uh, anchor it, if you will, anchor get it, <laughs> oh. to uh, the 90s. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, should it be... I'm going to say no. And part of the reason is because um, I started, lo- while we were like having our technical difficulties, I started looking up some of the um, images from the show, and I remembered I did watch a lot of season two and three because i remember the genetic Clones, uh, yeah, humans whatever they were, yeah. I they, like it all started coming back to me and this show it's not good uh <laughs> it's it's weird because like the sets look great mm-hmm. um there's a lot of money put into it but then like the newer elements that get added look cheap uh a lot of right. times um some of the aliens do look good i i, I will say but yeah the the, the it's it's not good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. All right, I uh, see your point there. I can blame uh, a lot of that on, uh, or it sounds like a lot of the problem was a uh, network uh, retooling, and I can see that. And I mean, why would you even add like aliens from outer space uh, in your show that is about you know sea exploration? Like my, I know why. 
Well, yeah, because they wanted it to be more like Star Trek. Or, I mean, right. aliens were really popular back in the 90s as well. <laughs> they were so hot back then. But what I'm saying is, like, okay, you can have, like, alien element, but let's say, like, oh, you know, one episode Sequest goes... I mean, it feels like every episode was like, oh, it, it's going deeper than it ever went before, and they find, like an abyss style thing uh, that's been, you know, that ends up being like something that was there before mankind even started evolving or whatever. It's like, but it, they all live underwater. Well, they, they do. They do that. I mean, mm -hmm. the aliens were like a, something like a million or two million year old. Oh, is that what it was? Ship, right. Okay. Yeah. That was like uh, in the bottom of the ocean floor. Do they live um, there or were they, were they just stuck there? Cause they crashed there. I, I remember Sequest discovered it. Um, I don't really remember though. Like, like if the aliens were crashed or, or I don't mm. I, that I don't remember, but I do remember it was something like Sequest discovered and it was like a couple million years old. Right, right. See, I think much like with Renegade, I think the Sequest premise is good and has a chance if executed properly. Like they didn't have enough um, exterior underwater stuff because obviously it was really expensive back then. Uh, if it was given another chance. I think they could make it work. So I'm going to say remember just for a little while longer. So <laughs> <laughs> what kind of answer is that? What? That's saving. Remember it, but just for like another year. <laughs> All right. Remembered until someone can come and make it better. I get, or hopefully someone yeah. will come and make it better. Uh, so, so that's a stale. So you think this show could maybe be rebooted? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Everything else has. Why not Sequest? Sequest, much like the original BSG, could benefit from a reboot. I yep. agree. I mean, a gritty reboot by Von <laughs> D. Moore. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome! Like Darwin would be like spearing people with his snout. Hardcore. Oh yeah, his snout. Sure, that's what he's going to spear people with. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we could finally have our, eventually that'll lead into the uh, Echo the Dolphin CGI movie. Um, oh, man. Maybe they can do a crossover. Yeah, yeah, but, for uh, sure. But uh, anyway, man, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, call it for the day? How's the video uh, doing? That's doing okay. It's uh, about 60,000 views, which is uh, it's underperforming for me for uh, it being out this long. But, uh, you know, it's, you can't really complain too much either about 60K views. Oddly enough, my uh, GoldenEye video has been getting a shit ton of views this week. So uh, GoldenEye I, is a lot more mainstream than the uh, the FBI say no to drugs sign from arcades. Yes, I, which I kind of, you know, I knew that going right, in. But, right, right. Uh, but I, I love the fact that you did a documentary about it. It's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Sure. Um, yeah, I, th I think that covered everything I had in my notes about, um, yeah, uh, about the show. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man, I, it's a shame because uh, I, I really, I wish I would have liked it more. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely, it's a good concept, just... A little wonky. It doesn't feel very 90s outside of like the re hyper reality thing. Right. Um, yeah. I will say it doesn't feel like a show that's like mired in like, oh, this is, feels so 90s. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't like when we, <laughs> when we watched uh, Generation X and they were playing Virtual Fighter in the arcade and <laughs> Matt Frewer came on and talked to them in their yeah. minds. Remember that? Uh, but uh, um, anyway, the... Um, comic book teaser is almost done 
like the uh, cover. Oh, nice. It's completed and it, all it needs to be is colored. So I'll be ready to ship those to people in your email for free in just a matter of weeks. So make sure you tune in either next Sunday or Monday when we watch a Tampa shot uh, horror film called Die, Die, Delta Pi at Yehel's house. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, can't wait, man. It'll be uh, nice to see you, and uh, I don't know if it'll be nice to see this film, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure your equipment isn't going to screw up in the middle of uh, recording. Uh, like, yes. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, uh, we will see you next time on Obscurity Now. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Obscurity Now. Now.